<laughs> you can't beat the classics. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Dude, we got, holy shit, 10 episodes of You Can't Beat the Classics so far. Um, so yeah, George and Mike are with me, as always. What's up, guys? What's going on? Sorry, I think Ray's trying to join today, too. Hey, guys. <laughs> the dog wants in on this. Uh, yeah, man, so we're here for episode 10. Holy shit, I can't believe it's been that many episodes. I'm excited about this one. I think we both. I think we all been excited about this movie here. George is streaming on his Twitch. Uh, I'll put it right here: Bison Madness, Twitch.tv/slash Bison Madness. And uh, I think you got a 24-hour stream going right now, George. Right? Yep. Yep. So we got about 16 people in chat. Uh, whether they like it or not, they're about to get a, a review of Boondock Saints. But I, I'm sure there will be some commentary. This is one a lot of people I think remember. So yeah, let's just get right into it here. Um, so we're going to be talking about 1999's The Boondock Saints, uh, directed by Troy Duffy. So do you guys remember the first time you saw Boon- The Boondock Saints? Unfortunately. Uh-oh. That's not promising. These are not promising first-time watches. I think – so I was at my first drinking party. And they said, let's throw on a movie. And it was the Boondock Saints. So that's how I saw it. So Is I this going like an eight-mile situation but reversed? I loved it. Okay. No, okay. Oh, okay. 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 I, just, I, had to, <laughs> I had to rent it the next day because I puked the entire time the end was going on. So I don't even know how it ended. And I was just like, no, I need to know how it ends. Back when Blockbuster was a thing. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I I saw this movie for the first time like at least like ten years ago, something like that. Uh, yeah, I I remember it pretty well, but uh, I'm gonna describe it more as we get through the movie. Um, but first things first, we gotta watch the trailer for the movie. On the streets of Boston. This was no gangland assassination. It was way too sloppy. Something went wrong here. An FBI agent is on a case. All the low lowlifes in the quiet city of Boston start dropping dead, and you think it's unrelated. They're all bad guys. Now they're all dead bad guys. The victims are the mob. <laughs> what we have here, gentlemen, is the beginning of the first international mob war. And the hitmen think they're on a mission. From God. The stock music in this. You think is evil. Don't you think that's a little weird, a little psycho? Sort of like 7 Eleven. We're not always doing business, but we're always open. That is nicely put. <laughs> there was two shooters. Bang, freaking fantastic. This guy's very sharp. He hasn't figured us out yet, he will. All we know is what we found out from the neighbors. And the <coughs> consensus is they're angels. In a place where the violent have the power. Destroy all that which is evil, so that which is good may flourish. One lawman doesn't know whether to catch the killers. I believe what they do is necessary. Or join them. 
all the things I wish I could do, these guys are doing. With every breath, we shall hunt them down. Each day, we will spill their blood. There was a firefight! Yes! <laughs> well, they ended that. That was a sudden ending. Yeah, very sudden. Yeah, that trailer doesn't really... I, I think there's something missing from that trailer. It, like, wants you to take the perspective of Willem Dafoe when the whole time it should have been pitching it towards the boys. Yeah, I think, like, Willem Dafoe is definitely the biggest name. Because this is, this is pre-Walking yeah. Dead for Norman Reedus. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue that with you. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is definitely the most, <laughs> the most known actor in that movie. Oh, yeah. But Ron Jeremy is the biggest name in that movie. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I, I forgot he was in this. I'm like, is that Ron Jeremy? <laughs> oh yeah. When, when I met, I, like this is kind of like a I met Ron Jeremy in Las Vegas during the American <laughs> the American like Porn Awards or something like that. And the only thing I asked him about was this movie. I'm not even gonna lie. I was like, I was like, really? a huge fan, Boondock Saints, and he was just like, yeah, one of the one of the top ten moments of my career. And I was like. <laughs> top 10 oh, okay. I mean, I, I mean how many porn great movie. Did actually get to do like a real movie Sasha Gray was a star in Entourage it's true yeah dude I totally forgot he was in this movie until I saw it again like just just the other day so, <laughs> that was a weird surprise so Sorry, I was sort of muting myself just in case someone joined the Discord. Um, no, but like I, I get marketing wise, uh, when you hear the description in that trailer, it just doesn't sound like the movie The Boondock Saints, though. Like it yeah. even feels like at, they didn't know what they have, even when they finished making it, they didn't know what they had. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I rewatching the trailer because I didn't watch this movie again for this because I've seen it. I saw it two weeks ago just because it's free now on Amazon. Yep. yep. I watched it two weeks ago and I remembered when I graduated high school, I wanted my first tattoos to be the Equitas Veritas on my fingers, but like business. So I couldn't, but um, <laughs> like the, the boys were the most iconic part of it. The cat story. I mean, not to get ahead. I won't get ahead. But I think the boys were iconic, and Willem Dafoe, while amazing and probably Oscar-worthy, if you revolved it around him, I feel like you weren't doing the movie justice. Yeah. Mm. I'll also say, too, before we hop into anything, this movie is the definition of a cult classic, right? Because I'm just looking up the, the numbers now. $6 million budget estimated. You know what its opening weekend stats were? Probably 500K. Less than twenty thousand dollars. Wow! It's opening weekend. It made less than twenty thousand dollars. It grossed in the U.S. and Canada at thirty thousand five hundred dollars. So this movie literally bombed. It was the. It was a massive bomb. Dude, I they, wonder. They I wonder really the didn't DVD know what they sales. had. I wonder how much the DVD sales were. Yeah, I would love to go back and see. Things. This movie caught fire after it was out of theaters. When it got to DVD. And I think half of it is this trailer. This trailer was complete garbage. It kind of yeah, like the trailer's not great. <laughs> it shows you that there's going to be fighting. It shows you that 
people are like have this divine mission to do whatever, but like there's no Rocco in it. Rocco is like the star of this movie in my mind. Uh, like, like there's just like a lot of stuff that's just missed. Like you, like you said, John, there's just stuff missing from this trailer. And I think that's the the picture that was painted for what this movie was completely missed. Less than twenty thousand dollars on an opening weekend is like I don't, I don't even know how to describe. That's like it. releasing it at a high school only. Yeah, wild. But so like, this movie is essentially an indie film, though, that has like pretty decent names to it, and then it just kind of took off after it was out of the theaters. I'm surprised they didn't try. Because it looks like the release date was just like a random day in in January, Which, so yeah. I I was wondering I was like why not save it for St Patrick's Day that year, which I'm surprised by. Dude, I'm telling you, the only person who probably had any sort of finger on the pulse of this movie was the director and Willem Dafoe. Willem Troy, Dafoe Troy Duffy was the director of this. Willem Dafoe absolutely crushed this, and like if anyone wants to talk about Oscar push. This movie would have been an Oscar pushing type thing if it had a twenty million dollar budget and fourteen million of it went towards uh, marketing. Uh, I don't. I don't think in nineteen ninety nine that Willem Dafoe's character in this movie would have gone for an Oscar, and it's only because of like the openly gay status, mm. like, act- actively mocking and like gay bashing. Mm. Um, and the cross-dressing stuff later on in the movie. Like, I, I only think like that stuff in 1999 was so outlandish that it just wouldn't have happened. Today, sure. Then, no. Oh, there's no way this movie could have been re-released today. There's no, no way. No. <laughs> dude, 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 they want to make Boondock Saints 3, which I think they're starting to film later this year. But I'm like, uh, you gotta not do stuff they did in this movie. And also, just to add to that, in 1999, Ed Norton was nominated for American History X. So, yeah, oh, wow. like, the gay thing and the racial thing are two completely different stuff, in my opinion. Well, we don't need to dive into that, but I, I would argue there's, there's grounds where he could have potentially made an Oscar push. Or at least been in the conversation. But you're right. Uh, and not to dive too deep into political bullshit right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But, like, I, I just truly don't think anyone knew what they had with this movie. And it, like, being from Boston, you know, we're just going to round up there. Being from mm-hmm. Boston and, like, the only movies you really have to hang your hat on at the time are, like, do, do we even have any? Like, there's Rocky Fever Pitch. Pitch. <laughs> Did Fever Pitch? No, Fever Pitch came out in 2004. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, after the World Series, yeah. like I don't even think there was a good Boston movie. Like New York has all these mob movies and everything. There wasn't yeah. a good Boston movie, and it's like we had Whitey Bulger. We 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 had some good some good material here. Yeah. And like people just didn't know how to handle it. Like it, it's not a comedy and it's not a drama, but it's kind of both. Actually, like uh, it's it's listings in Amazon are. Comedy action thriller. Well, that's fucking cheating. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's pretty much like we don't know how to categorize this. Yeah, exactly. This, this is a tough film to categorize. I mean, I it's a comedy at heart. Out. It's a comedy at heart. But I think its but writing it's is better than like just a regular slapstick comedy. It's it has really good writing. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think now we'll get down to the beginning of it. Um, 
So we see St. Patrick's Day in Boston, a familiar a familiar town to the three of us. Um, we're we're met in a church, and like nobody's questioning, just these two just going right up to the altar during this mass. Yeah. Except for the uh, guest, the guest parishioner. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so he's like getting up to stop them, and everyone's like, "No, no, no!" no. <laughs> Those guys, you don't so, stop. Like as far as an intro, like not too much. You you the beginning of the movie, not too much. I mean, you see two guys that are, that are obviously religious. They're Irish. They work in a meat packing plant. Um, but I mean, so if you didn't see the trailer, you would be like, "Where's this going?" Yeah, I think right at the start. Did. The trailer is all about Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah. Willem Dafoe doesn't come in until what half an hour, twenty five minutes into this movie. Yeah. Yeah, after the rush, after you see the, the the ordeal with the Russians, which which comes up, which which comes up like almost right after this. One more thing yeah. I want to say before we keep diving in about the trailer is like, and I I kind of put this subtly out there was Entourage. This could have been like a drama Entourage, where in Entourage you have Johnny Drama, you have Vinny Chase, you have E, you have Turtle. You have Ari. You have like five main characters, but there isn't really one main character because every episode it's different, right? Hmm. Or or whatever. That's kind of what you have here. And they could have pivoted like the trailer that way, where Rocco's a maniac. The brothers are their own thing. Willem Willem Dafoe is like Robin Williams on crack in this movie. Like <laughs> you have you have four potentially five if you want to count the dad real pivotal main characters who act their ass off. And I would I think that's where they fucked up. That's how I would have pivoted it. So stream tomorrow I will be editing the Entourage trailer with all five boondock scenes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um and then it's it's really a it's really just a minor build, you know, from when we see them to when they start having this problem with the Russians. Um, first, you're, you're met with, you know, a bunch of things about who they are personally. Uh, you see where they sleep, like, which was, I thought was a very strange setup as far as like, I'm like, is this an apartment? Is this a, a bad, cause they, cause you know, from later exposition in the movie, like this is like, this is like the fifth floor, the fifth or fourth floor of a building. So I'm like, I was wondering, I'm like, where do they, what kind of place is this? <laughs> of an abandoned building. The, yeah. It looks, dude, honestly, it looks a lot like the place I first saw this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, like Providence theater. <laughs> dude. No, no, no. Like somebody's like house. Oh, dude. I was like rolling like with like the wrong, people like back then so like we i remember that's why i remember seeing this movie so well um so i was like wow that's that's like where i saw the movie (laughs) john how old are you 30 okay chat was just wondering Uh, okay they know know mike they know me yeah all right yeah i just i just hit 30 (laughs) um but yeah they're trying to have fun at this bar which I thought, dude, this this um, this guy that runs the bar, Doc, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, 
<laughs> He's not trying to be funny, but it's hilarious. A book of Proverbs. <laughs> what flips the line? I actually wrote it down. Glass houses sink ships. <laughs> just, just, like, just fucking like, what? And this, and this is the other part, of it, like, like the perfect writing, right? Because you throw a dude who has a stutter, uh, and you know, like, oh, this dude had Tourette's. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> he had a stutter. He had Tourette's. He had all the stuff, and he couldn't get to the proverbs, right? And 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 like to him being a bartender, you're like, yeah, I could see this dude being a bartender at a dive bar that I would go to in Boston or wherever, you know. Yeah, for sure. We've all been to that bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the, these these Russians show up and they break up. They pretty much break up the going away party for the bar. Um, this is one of the things I liked about the movie. I liked the idea of, you know, you make the cut there and then you show. I mean, that's what Willem Dafoe's purpose of the movie is. But then you show like how he figured it, how how it happened through his explanation, which I thought was cool. I think I think the most wild part about that cut, right? So there's like, yeah, pull up and have a beer or whatever, like, you know, uh, whatever. And then the next cut is the same dudes who are like really well-dressed, you know, big guys. And one of them has like no seat in his pants. And the other dude has like a bandage wrapped around his head, and they're like just dead in the alleyway. And you're like, a lot had to happen in between the last <laughs> time we saw these guys and like the 30 second cut to this scene where we're now seeing them in a completely different stage. <laughs> to be honest, the first time I watched the movie, that was what kept me in it was him dot walking everything back in his head, and just the. I mean, I'm older now, so the cinema. I'll use the word cinematography of it was great, but yeah, mm. the writing like, okay, here's the end. And now you have to figure out how we got here, but he figures it all out for you and they show it. I don't know. It's just, it was like a mystery within the movie. Let's also yeah. interject here too. Young Bob Marley. I don't you know. Some of you that aren't from like the Northeast might not know who Bob Marley is, but he's a really big comedian in our area. And he's the, the detective, the local detective that's on the scene when they're handing the case off to the FBI with Willem Dafoe. Um, but his analysis of the crime was, scene. Was he Greenlee? Yeah, he's Greenlee. That's Bob Marley. Oh, the, this dude, yeah. yeah. Some so, huge freaking guy. Yeah, he's a fucking huge guy. Like, he must have been like, I don't know, like eight foot tall, like 400 pounds. <laughs> he comes in and he's just crushing guys, right? So, so his his breakdown of the crime scene, you're like, this dude is just like the guy in the department who doesn't give a shit anymore. But then Willem Willem Dafoe comes in and he's like, I already know what happened here. Um, but I think you, you take like this really goofy guy, this comedian, and you put him next to this dude who's just all serious, 100 percent work all the time, and their relationship is just hilarious. Because the FBI guy walks in the scene, he just makes him go get him a coffee. Just really <laughs> just really, really good writing, really funny stuff. But like that's also too how like people perceive people from Boston. He like encapsulated it, and it's like yep. to be yep. honest, if you walk in Boston, you're gonna run into three, four, five, six, however many of those types of guys. They're all in Boston. It's not a stereotype. It's fucking real. Yep. <laughs> like, and on top of that too. So, we'll go over the numbers again. This movie had a budget of $6 million. On opening weekend, it made $20,000, less than $20,000. But 
but if you meet someone and they and they do the like where are you going hey pal where are you going nowhere that <laughs> absolutely quoted by so many people and they might not even know that it comes from this movie yeah i mean dude the rotten tomato gave it a 28 but the audience <laughs> gave it a 91 yeah <laughs> That that's um, got to be one of the biggest gaps in Rotten Tomato. Yeah, you see you see a lot of those gaps with like with like I think like cult movies, like cult classics like this. Well, like Green um, Street Hooligans is a similar movie. It's forty seven on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's an eighty seven by the audience. So like you see yeah. that you're right. It's not that common, but like seventy points. That's a big gap. Yeah, yeah. it can't it can't get much bigger than that. I'm wondering what stopped people like from seeing the movie, like when it came out. Like, I don't know if it was because like, sorry, we're talking about the end of 1999 here. So I don't know if people were like, like Y2K, like scared people or like, like I don't, I don't like. Well, that's like, Oscar push, right? That's yeah. Oscar push season. So all the big Oscar movies are. You got to remember too, in 1999, everyone's renting movies at blockbuster they're they're not really the movies were okay but they were dying for a little bit there Mm. because netflix came out i want to say 2001 maybe a little earlier but like the the movies were dying they they weren't doing well and then around 2007 2006 they started making a comeback when netflix when netflix fully killed blockbuster uh Mm they they that's when cinema came back and that's why the pandemic everyone's like well, what the fuck man now movies are on on the ropes again i'll bring this up again because you already made this comparison too so to compare it let's at the end of uh 1998 is when american history x came out uh 20 million dollar budget opening weekend was one hundred and fifty six thousand dollars. so you like big wow. movie, huge movie yeah didn't make anything in the theaters. This movie, a third, a fourth of the budget, made less than you know, made less than twenty thousand dollars. So it's really hard to tell what's going to make Oscar pushes based on the budget, right? Because this one here was like right. a big, uh, you know, this one was a small movie. American History X being a big movie, they both really didn't perform in the theaters. So it's just it's a it's a product of its time. Domestic DVD sales of the movie to date is $20 million, and it was released on DVD in 2002. So it's about 20 years. Yeah. It's made a million dollars every year. Which is kind of wild, too, because there's that's a two- or three-year gap in between the movie releasing in theaters to coming out on DVD. Bro, it, it, it lost them $5 million. Why would you put it to DVD? Well, dude, the they tur- fucking did. <laughs> well, the, the turnaround of, of like like theater to dvd or or vhs or not was was really wide back then yeah usually but you're not now it's either. now it's way shorter than that it's like months but back then i knew the gap was a lot larger yeah um but yeah but all right so uh back to the movie but like smecker well do you smecker, remember why it was a lot larger it was a lot larger because they had to get the movies to blockbuster first uh, so they okay. got the movies to Blockbuster, so you couldn't buy it, and you had to rent them at Blockbuster. Mm. And then when Blockbuster died, that's when everything started coming out two months, three months, because they they had no ties to Netflix, they had no ties to anyone. 
There was no exclusives. It was just uh, out. Okay. Because okay, that makes when sense. they first came out, we're going to local stores and buying out the stock of hit movies and renting them. And then assuming people would just keep them and then charge them. Hence the late fees and all the other fees. Mm. Yeah. Now, the, the more you know. <laughs> anyway, back to the movie. Back yeah. to the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, so Smacker, the detective, he manages to figure... He manages to figure everything out. Um, and meanwhile, the saints are in this hospital and, um, and they talk to Doc, the bartender. And dude, I don't know, it's like, is Tourette's not supposed to be funny? Because I've always found it. Like, this is pre-Tourette's guy. So I, I always thought it was funny. So I feel like I feel like it all depends on how you use, right? Because like Tourette's is obviously like a real mental illness. That's yeah, you know, that's really serious. But like they made this guy have Tourette's for comedic effect. Like they, they didn't. This guy could have just been like a dumb bartender, but they they gave him like a you know an, an ailment that made him more funny and relatable. Yeah, you're supposed to love the dude. And the fact that they're in a because... Catholic hospital, he's running around yelling, fuck ass. <laughs> <laughs> that became yeah. an insult in my high school after we saw this movie was fuck, fuck ass. ass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was... out around here too. And then the fucking tree joke was, was one that never went away either. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like yeah. A tree and get the fuck, fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, excuse me, sir. You did not tell that right. <laughs> <laughs> But no, Tourette's is not supposed to be funny, but there are streamers who who have Tourette's and they kind of use it to their advantage um, because yeah. if, if you use it in a loving way, yeah, of course it's funny. But if you're, you know, if you come from a place of hate, anything com- coming from a place of hate is just no. not going to be accepted. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely laughed my ass off every time he spoke. I wanted yeah. more of the bartender. Yeah, and it's, it's true that you only see him like the first 15 minutes of this movie. You see him at his bar. And then you yeah. see him again when he's bringing the clothes to the guys or when he's, you know, talking to the guys at the hospital and then that's it. He's done. Yep. Yeah. I don't even yep. think he was in the second one. No. no. Um, went to but now I think he died. Yeah. They went to his funeral. Oh, okay. Um, so now they end up back at the police station, which they got into wicked easily, by the way. <laughs> but this is, this is my, the big question for me for the movie really starts here because like Smecker is like the first to say like these two are not heroes, but yet he's the one that ends up supporting them the most in the long run. Uh, I think, I think uh, the preface for them is like, they know that they're going to turn themselves in. They know that they've been found. Like they know immediately when uh, when the guy goes to the bar and leaves the card for these two that they he knows what's going on, so he knew also that they were gonna say it was self defense going into it, and then when they explain the story they explain it like yeah we had a bar fight, and then they came after us to kill us so we defended ourselves, and I think mm-hmm. that's where this whole thing starts because when you also look down the line in this movie too. He knows that the two guys killed these Russian guys who are obviously mob affiliated. Then all these other mob deaths happen later on in the movie. Spoiler: that he doesn't link them all. That's what I said. Through, that's what I said throughout the entire movie. I'm like, okay, you got two guys. They kill a somebody in the Russian crime syndicate. 
And then a bunch of other ones, like not Russian ones, but other mob related ones happen, like a bunch of them. And you don't link it back to these guys. Think at all it's going to go back to these. Well, guys. or you. It seems like they have no idea, but I thought like I was also thinking in my mind. I'm like, what if Smecker knows, but he's like, he's like letting them do it. Yeah, he's giving them the wink. Yeah, he's like turning. He's turning a blind eye and letting the Boondock I mean, Saints like kill I mean, off all these bad people. All right, so like, not to go too far down the movie though, but like. You have to assume that that's not true because at a certain – we'll get to it, but he, he literally goes insane. <laughs> like yeah. At one of the crime scenes, he literally goes insane because he can't yep. figure out who it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you feel like if, if he knew when he was given the silent nod, he would just be like, who is it? Yeah. So like, so that so that makes he, – he really doesn't know, which I'm, which I'm also surprised by because you literally just had something similar happen. And you saw, you talked to, and you saw who did it. Yeah. You know? Um, so, so okay. So, the two Russian guys are dead. Smecker figures it out. They find the shell cases and blah, blah, blah. We also then figure out that these dudes, during the uh, during their interrogation, they speak seven languages. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing working at a meat plant? Yeah. So it's, yes. it's kind of funny, though, because like, they're having conversations, and the first thing they say to each other is in, I, um, you know. It was like Gaelic. Like, yeah. yeah. And then uh, they switch over to French, and then they switch over to Spanish, and then they also do it in Italian, German. German. Yep. So, like, they're, they're like, because, uh, you know, like, all this stuff is happening, and you're like, wow, these guys, you know, it's pretty wild. <laughs> these, mm-hmm. like, dudes, just regular dudes speak seven languages, which is really cool. Uh, and then they get the call on the Russian, the Russian guy's pager, and then they left him a message in Russian, and he was able to translate it. So, you know, obviously, you know, he speaks Russian. Mm-hmm. So... Like and that whole that whole thing is really funny, like a really funny story arc too. So. Yeah, dude. So my favorite part of the movie too was how this bar fight was happening, and I really really liked this action sequence. You know when he essentially lifts up a toilet, he goes all the way up to the top of the building, drops the toilet on this dude, and then well, and then he jumps off the building. Yeah. Well, I thought that with the way the the music with that scene too and all that, I thought it was really well done. I did raise an eyebrow. I was like, he just jumped off of a building and he didn't like break anything. Uh, I think he did. Like, <laughs> maybe he did. Like he landed on that guy, yeah. which I know was like, like that yeah, had to. Like, like, he knocked himself out. Like he had to get carried away from the scene, and then they went to the yeah. hospital. And he was so at least he there. was knocked out, which made sense. So, there's a lot going on there. But that definitely my favorite part of the movie was uh, right there. Yeah, I also um, think it's really funny. Like, like the media is idolizing him immediately, uh, and they were like, "Well, we don't want to leave. Can we stay here tonight?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, it's okay if your friends sleep over. Ask yeah, like, what do you say to that? Like, if I guess. <laughs> uh, I think it's funny. I just thought it was weird that they were like. It was like immediately, like the picture painted for them was heroes. Yeah, like right away. And, and then, then the, they handed them the newspaper the next day, and they called them the Saints of Boston or something like that. Yeah, which was weird because like they didn't kill. They didn't kill off. Like they killed off some bad dudes, but they didn't kill like they didn't kill like the head of the snake. Yeah, they didn't which end is, the, the crime in Boston. <laughs> yeah, they, they they didn't put a stop to the Russian crime syndicate. <laughs> You know, um, 
so but then he writes ends up writing that info down from that russian guy um and this is where we start this, this is where we see ron jeremy <laughs> and um the rocco which i always thought rocco Rock, rocco is a tough character for me because i'm like well, first, the first time I saw this movie, you know, my honest thought in my head when I saw him, I was like, is this Dave? Is that Dave Grohl? Because he looks like Dave Grohl. <laughs> at first, okay. at first. Yeah, but then you realize, but then this dude's real name is like David Della Rocco. So they just used his last name as his character name. <laughs> yeah, they got a little lazy. <laughs> so, yeah, so like, I'll say that. <laughs> This character might have been like an afterthought in the writing too, because they might have been like, "Yeah, these guys just kind of do their own thing with the mob, right?" Yeah. But then, like, they added this guy in. Remember one comedic effect, and but it also bridged the mob world into them, right? Because without Rocco, they don't know who the people are, where they're going to be. Mm. So I think, I yep. think at one point they're like, "Okay, so they're just going to happenstance into all these situations and take care of mob people." But then they're like, eh, it doesn't make it really flow well, so let's add this dude in. And they're like, oh, yeah, his name's Del Rocco, so let's just make him Rocco, right? He so was like, an afterthought. He he was supposed to be uh, Norman Reedus' character. Well, he auditioned for Norman Reedus' character, and then they were like, God, no. And they wrote him in halfway through <laughs> production. They were like, that hey, come that. I wow. love him. I love him. I think Rocco's hilarious. He, he gets, you know, he's on the good side with the mob. He's on the good side with our buddies here. Um, until stuff happens later on in the movie, but I thought his yeah. character was great. Yeah, he's he's all right. Um, I'll, I'll get into him a little bit more with something that happens with him later on. Um, he's trying to tell this joke to the this guy <laughs> is the big fish. This uh, Papa uh, Papa Joe. I forget the name of the crime family. Um, but he's dude. These dudes left way too hard at this joke i mean it's funny it would never pass in any movie these days it's very racist yeah. oh it wasn't i didn't think it was like distasteful or anything like that i was just like i was very distasteful, uh, <laughs> it's it's very extreme, distasteful. extreme oh it is now now today's standards extremely but i spoke to me outside of this movie so like i don't know if it's a common known joke or whatever but I mean, I've heard this joke before. It's, it's and it's yeah, it's of its time. I'll say it's of its time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm still giggling thinking about it. <laughs> I just think it's funny though. Like he's trying so hard to deliver this joke. He's trying so hard, and he realizes that he's screwing it up so bad uh, that no. he actually stops telling the joke, and his boss puts down what he's eating, and he's like, "Continue the joke." <laughs> and then he and then he just delivers it so like deep. but this is why i'm saying bro this movie would get canceled in a hard percent a hundred percent if if not for that joke but all the <laughs> the, the n words yeah this movie would never get made today i wrote it right no nope. never <laughs> no nope. between never the between the the <laughs> racial slurs, homophobic slurs. Yeah, and, and, and this is the part too. So like right after this scene, it cuts over to Willem Dafoe getting a call about... Oh my God. About, about another murder. 
and and the, the dude is like cuddling with him and like smooching him on the chest. And he's like, <laughs> and he like slaps him in the face. He's like, what are you doing? Josh is dying. I just wanted to cuddle. He says. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when he calls him after that, you you know, whatever. But yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, though. So, like, openly gay. Like, there's no questions in your point. Oh, yeah. Gay, right? And then he's just like, oh, you know, he's just gay bashing. He starts gay bashing. Dude, that's fun. Dude, I for this part, that's what I wrote. Wow. Imagine if this movie were made now. Yeah, so it's written around this part. Like, this sequence of, like, two, maybe three scenes in a row, you're just like, yeah, this movie, you would never. Like, someone would read yeah. this thing and be like, okay, I want to change a few things. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, never mind. I'm not going to touch it. I was going to, I was going to do, no. I was going to defend it, but that's not the hill I'm ready to die on. <laughs> it's not, not the hell I'm ready to die. <laughs> there, are big, there are bigger, there are bigger battles, George. Yeah, not all heroes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I will say, in the '90s, that was something we quoted too. <laughs> Afterwards, yeah, we quote like it's, it's not hateful. It's just fucking funny. Yeah, the irony is just fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm saying writing, writing. The the irony of that joke is hilarious. Anyone watching on stream and you want to know what we're talking about, just go to YouTube. It's probably a 30-second clip. Type in Willem Dafoe, gay, and Boondock Saints. Uh, Saints. And it'll probably be the first thing that pops up. It's him in bed cuddling with another guy. If not then that, then maybe a scene. Maybe it's probably a scene later on in the movie that we're going to be even got to yet. That one's a little less obvious, though. That one's a little less obvious because that could have been any bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this one here, I mean, it's it's obvious, but it could, it's that's a little like if if you're unknowing of the scene, it, it could be a little less. Obvious. Yeah. It's, it's, this one is very direct. It's really <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so then, yeah. This is where. Um, yeah, this is where they he got he got the call. That's where he got the call from. Um, but like they're in this, they're in some fancy building now. So like the, <clears throat> so like they, the McManus brothers literally just killed off like eight like Russian guys. Uh, they're um, like so, high level bosses and like yeah. syndicate leaders. They're not like just the mob guys. They're like the yeah. faction leaders and like the people who give the orders. Yeah, so, like, well, like, they were, like, doing some, like, they were crawling up in the vents, stuff, which, which, William Defoe, Willem Defoe acknowledges, like, people, people don't do this. this I mean, it, it, stuff. It, it, it worked out well for them, because yeah. they, they managed to whack, whack all those guys. Um, <laughs> I don't know, this was one line that's, that always stuck with me, too, kind of makes me feel like river dancing. <laughs> yeah. I always remember that one. Way? And he actually like river dances. Was, like there's the dead body laying right in front of him, and and I actually rewound it to watch it back twice. He actually kicks the dude's elbow at one point during the scene, and oh, really? and the dead body is like you know it's an actor playing a dead body, but like you can tell he's just like motherfucker, kick me in the elbow. <laughs> uh, and then Rocco walks in, which I, I thought wait. When I first saw the movie, too, I, I was like, wait, why is Rocco there? I was like, oh, Rocco's getting his big break. But, I mean, it turns out not to be. 
but um but then and then they start messing with them um i think they go back to rocco's place yeah um and they 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 just they get wasted like they make it pretty obvious to us right so rocco shows up there you can tell this is his big chance to get into the italian mob yeah he shows up to like a Russian crime syndicate, family syndicate meeting where there's nine people with a six with a six shooter pistol. Uh-huh. So they didn't even give them the right equipment to get the job done. They they pretty much sent Rocco in there to send the message and die. Yep, it's obvious to us, but it's not obvious to Rocco at this point. Yeah, like he he doesn't figure it out until it's too late for him. Uh, now they're back at Rocco's place and they're just they're. Just hanging out, you know, and the, yeah, it's getting getting wasted. Um, <laughs> uh, this poor cat, man. They, they didn't even see it coming. Yeah. So this this scene <laughs> will forever stand out in any movie I ever watch as the most like blindsided scene of all time. Like, <laughs> like, 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 okay, they're getting hammered. Oh yeah, the cat. It's the most hammered. sobering moment ever. Dude, seriously, yep. Yep. Dude, like, he just slams his hands down, hits the, the the gun that's on the table, and it just vaporizes the cat. <laughs> it vaporizes like the cat doesn't even exist on the seat on the screen at, after this point. Yeah, wild. This is where they they really put like the like like Rocco's the funny man. Like they really put like the funny man line in it's this part for him. Yeah. Is it dead? <laughs> <laughs> Is, is it dead? Yeah. Um, and then the callback to it later when the chick comes home. Hey, where's my cat? <laughs> your cat? I killed your cat, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, oh, that's the best part. He's like, I What's will shoot name? myself in the fucking head if you can tell me that cat's name. And then, and then he's like, mother bitch, what color was it? Dude, this is really- yeah. so- Rocco's... Rocco's in, Rocco's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. He's he's not smart, and he's crazy. Oh, dude, yeah. So I wrote I wrote down on this part. Rocco is a wild card, and I'm I'm here for it. Like, because you, oh, yeah. you never know what's gonna happen with Rocco. Yeah, yeah. This this dude's a loose cannon. Yeah. Um, like it, it even shows like right after this part, like he just goes like he walks into that deli, and I mean he finds out like. That's where his like moment of clarity is, like that, like. So the guys um, tell him. The guys tell him, like, "Hey, like, they knew that you weren't walking out of this thing alive. They they were gonna make you that fall guy. They were gonna yep. make you the example, you know." And he's like, "Nah, my boss wouldn't do that. Nah, that wouldn't happen." And and then that's when this part in the deli happens. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's any exposition as to why they killed that that guy behind the counter. Like he just did it. Because he's, they said he knew, like, like, oh, he knew before. Oh, he was just a witness. No, oh, he like, knew before. Yeah, so like the Vincenzo guy, the Ron Jeremy's character, was walking around yeah. telling everyone that uh, oh. there and die, and like Rocco, we're, we're sending Rocco in to take care of some stuff, but he's not making it out. So yeah. they told the guy behind the counter, and then the other two guys that were like, oh, uh, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, so he just killed all three of these guys at this deli. Pop, pop, uh, now, well, we're at the next place where the the Boondock Saints strike. Um, this is this part. I mean, this was 
I think this was before the internet. So literally what I wrote down here too, I was like, so this Vincenzo guy specifically went to this place to rub one out. (laughs) I was like, but then I thought in my head, I'm like, all right, no internet yet. So I guess that's what you had to do. Yeah, it's fitting that Ron Jeremy's character. Yeah, I knew that. Like, like he was going to be probably the one doing it. I wish I was but. an adult so I could I could elaborate more on that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, like, yeah, these they kill everybody, all three guys in this. Um, but you know what? Nobody's complaining. Yeah, no Nobody's complaining that these guys are getting whacked and, off. And it's funny, too, because, like, in the deli, uh, they uh, <clears throat> when he's asking about witnesses in the story and who can corroborate, he's like, well, all the witnesses are dead. And then the guy was like, well, it was seen by dozens of people, but no one's talking. So, like, yeah. the community is behind these, these you know, these characters being taken out. Uh, but we don't find out about the guys who are dead in the deli until after they tell us about the guys in the strip club. Mm-hmm. Like, we know about it, but Willem Dafoe's character does it. Because they were like, oh, you know, it was done with a different caliber gun, and it was, you know, Italian guys, it wasn't Russian guys, and he, and, and he was like, you didn't think that was related? That's <laughs> really great. Yeah, like, this is where they find out, they made the connection, too, like, hey, they're all bad guys. Um... Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the this Italian mob is, takes action, and they get this. They get this. I don't know who's more of a maniac, this guy or Rocco. Like they get this dude out on parole. El Duce. El Duce, the Duke. They get him out just to you know go take out Rocco, and then whoever's and then whoever's with him. Because at this time, the Italian mob just thinks it's Rocco. Right. Rocco took. Uh, he took the credit for that hit of all the Russians. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, you sent me in there with a six shooter. Well, I went in there and took care of it anyway. Um, it, I, I think this is where, and then this is where um, Rocco and and the Saints they go into that poker game to find that to find that one guy that Rocco has been describing as like the worst. Yeah, the hitman. Yeah. The call, um, they call him. Well, there's a lot of dudes at this poker game too, and all of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, all of them did. And then, you know, we see another play-by-play from, from Willem Dafoe. Um, this is probably the most memorable of the all the times that he's done it throughout the movie so far. This is also the breaking uh, point for Willem Dafoe, too. Yeah. yeah. There was a firefight. <laughs> Legendary. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he's trying to he's trying to piece it together um, with this one. Um, one one interesting thing: the Saints knew by putting ammonia in the blood that they would mess it up for them, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, to speak of the blood, uh, the blood affects. The, the blood was a little too red. It was a little too watery. So, like, like the blood itself was not great, but, like, you know, it's a production thing. But, but yeah, I mean, they did the research to know that if they sprayed the ammonia on it, it would get rid of the evidence. Um, 
So they had to know that there was going to be traces of their own blood at some point because they had that stuff ready. Yeah. But the one thing that they overlooked was uh, Rocco got his finger shot off. (laughs) And they didn't think to go find it. Dude, it's it's pretty wild though because during that scene he's like, "Oh fuck my finger," and, and then he, and then he's like trying to like just crawl around and find it, and they were like, "Forget about it," like let's just go. Like today yeah. they're like, "Oh shit, my finger got shot off." Like I know they're gonna be able to get prints off of it, but none of them really even cared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of adrenaline too, so I'm sure. But still, I think like if you lose a finger or something like that, isn't the best thing you got to bring it with you. I mean, like and and he couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, well, like, still, but like you, well, not even with the prince thing, but like if you, I don't know, like I don't know how it works. Like if you want that finger back, yeah, yeah but they were getting fucked up, too, right? So like, say, yeah, dude was messing him up. <laughs> well, say, say you lose your finger. Let, let's just say, like hypothetically, and I think this might be more along the lines: someone shoots off your finger, or you cut off a finger, or something like that, or someone cuts off a finger. When you bring it to the hospital, the first thing that's going to happen is be like, what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So then the cops are like, okay, if we found a lot of blood, let's check local hospitals and see if anyone had any weird injuries. And that's one of those things that just pops up, right? So yeah, maybe you, yeah. maybe you don't bring it in. Maybe you don't go to the hospital. And you can tell they didn't go to the hospital. And the next scene, they're literally at someone's house with a hot iron cauterizing their wounds. Uh, <laughs> and it's like this like really like special intimate moment between all three of them, which is like really weird. Yeah, um, it's your turn. Your turn. <laughs> yeah. And they're taking turns like you know, just cauterizing each other's wounds with an odd eye. Uh, yeah, that was the thing they mute I think they muted the sound on those parts, but I was like, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So there's <laughs> a lot going on. So th- this is also Willem Dafoe is like He's not kept like in the very first scene. He has his tie on, he has his jacket on, he's very professional. He's like straight laced, his hair looks nice, yada yada. By this point in the movie, his shirt's untucked, his tie's undone. He only has three buttons and none of them line up. And he's like on his knees, like sweating, like you know, whatever. And as he's like freaking out, hey, about he can't figure out who these people are, he's going through the bushes, and boom, that's when he finds a figure. Yeah. So, and then all of a sudden he's fine. He's like, everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I I think we're getting down to like close to the end of the movie here. Um, I think this is where uh, they get captured by. Oh, Yakavetti. That's the guy's last name. Papa Joe. Papa Joe. Uh, the Yakavetti family. Yeah, um, I think they try and mess with. They try and mess with Papa Joe, but it ends up going south for them. Right. So yeah. this is the part where uh, Willem Dafoe knows who they are because he ran the print. And he puts it together because he, he remembers Rocco brought them clothes when they were staying in the prison overnight. So he puts yeah. that together. And then he goes to talk to the, the informant, which ends up being like the old you know, Italian crime boss who's now working in a, in a bathroom, yada, yada. So he goes to see them. He finds out that these guys are going to the Iacovetti place to you know, take out the Italian side of things. Uh, but they don't know that everyone's meeting there because he has a whole bunch of hired guns for protection. Um, yeah. And then this is where the movie gets super weird. <laughs> super uh, weird. Dude, this is... 
I think uh, my brother said, my brother was saying last night, he was like, he was like, William Defoe cross-dressing was weird. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, I think it's more weird to me because it's obviously a guy. You know, yeah. like, you look at it, you're like, okay, so like, I know, I know who William Defoe is, so, <laughs> so, like, he's got the, you know, the, the, the shadow going on his face, he's got the Adam's apple, he looks like a dude, I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know, is this part supposed to be obnoxious, or is it supposed to be like... Oh my god, dude, this, this Italian dude, this, this, he was either stupid, like, clueless, or just desperate. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. yeah. If the second word isn't desperate, maybe he was he was into it. That too, maybe. I don't know, but still. I, yeah, he was into it all the way up to the point where the wig started coming off. Yeah, you had a thing, character, bro. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, and uh well, this is also the part too where uh Rocco is killed off. Yeah, and I don't I don't get this point, so like they're torturing him. They shoot off Rocco's finger, and they're like, yeah, these guys aren't going to talk. And then they just walk in and kill him. It's like, well, you could have just killed him before. Like, why the hell did you have to shoot off his other finger? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I don't know. Like, I did not feel bad that Rocco, Rocco ate it. No, I didn't feel no. bad for Rocco. Well, that, that's the bitter irony of all of them, right? They're not yeah. good people. They're not, like, they're really yeah, not like, good people. Like the, like, the McManus brothers were devastated. Like, they were, like, flipping out. But, like, as a viewer, I was like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I felt about it, too. Yeah. But, like, I, was wondering, I was wondering if you guys would feel the same because I know, like, I know you probably like the character. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then I was wondering, but I was like, I mean, I, he's all right, too. I kind of liked him, too. But then getting killed off, I didn't, like, I didn't feel terrible about it. So this part, for me, when I saw Rocco get killed, the only thing I was concerned about was like, oh crap, maybe our boys don't make it out of this. That was like like my first yeah. time watching through, I was like, this might be how the movie ends. Like they might not get out of this basement. Yep. This was about the time I went and threw up the first time I watched it. Wow, uh, this is like such a shit <laughs> to like leave the movie off. Yeah, I can't uh, really it now. That's why I rented it the very next day. Yeah. Kids don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> but um but I mean but it, it turns out that maybe Rocco dying, you know, def- might have benefited them in a way because we see Il Duce. I mean, I'll use a wrestling term here. Il Duce turns face and he joins and he joins the Saints, pretty much. Well, because uh, um, they find out he you, he knows the same prayer and yeah, they won't teach yep. anyone else a prayer because it's a family thing. So now they realize that they're related. Yep. Yeah, so they're kind of like, oh, well, that's that's that changes everything then, you know. Like, we Il Duce was doing the same thing that they were doing anyways, too. Just which I thought was, ago. yeah, which is, I thought was oddly coincidental, but, um, but I like that they tied in the fact that they used the same family prayer. Yeah. Um, that was a better way to tie them into one another. Better, right? Um, so now we're... In the courtroom where um, Papa Joe is on trial, and he's pretty much just like, "Yeah, nothing's gonna happen here." Yeah, he's not worried about it. He's, <laughs> he's like, "I'm no, I'm gonna get out of here as soon as I walk out." Yeah. Um, um, but then the Saints walk in. And I, I, hey, I want to stop right here, real quick. 
So we knew Willem Dafoe was kind of on the sides of the Saints, right? Like we knew that. Yeah. And, and then he went and rescued him out of the house. He helped him get out, yada, yada. So we knew that he was already sold. However, the weird part about all this is not only was Willem Dafoe turned, he turned like every other detective and cop that was on the case with him. Did you notice? So like the, the beat yeah. were there and then Greenlee were all like turned and into it and helped them get into the courthouse with their guns so that they could take care of this. So mm-hmm. I find it weird. You turn one cop, you're like, okay, one cop. But you don't turn five. I, I, yeah. I, that was yeah. the only part of this movie where the where the writing didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was weird too, because I was like, you wouldn't have the entire police force on your side. I know, yeah. Yeah, I you, mean, you I, probably... I get it. the police force is really up, like, sick and tired of this dude just doing whatever he wants and getting off. I get it. But, like, yeah. no, every cop isn't going to have the same exact feeling about, like, if we sneak these guys in, they can take care of this. That was weird to me. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, it just it just total chaos in this courtroom here. Uh, and Papa Joe's definitely unrecognizable after that. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> he, he had the two pistols. He, he, he had, had three shotgun. of them. No, yeah, he had the, he had the shotgun on him too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, wild. The dude doesn't. He's vaporized after that. So. Oh my god! But that was. I think this is another indicator too that they like really didn't know with what they had because like they just ended right there. Yeah. Um. Um, I mean, surprising so ending. They end it right there, but they also kind of preface it with, we're the saints, and, you know, like, if you cross the line between, like, what's bad and what's really bad, we're going to be there. So they, they kind of set it up because, you know, crime is, is inevitably still going still gonna to happen. And I think it's wild that they were able to, like, finesse, like, a story to make a continuation where three guys go into a courthouse that's filled with officials and cops and everything else, mm-hmm. execute a dude pretty much on live TV. I mean, they told him to cut the cameras, but pretty much on live TV because it was being televised before. And then they, they're able to get these three guys out and then make a sequel, you know, some 10, 15 <laughs> years later, but they went into a courthouse, executed a guy and then they get out and then they, you know, the, the story continues. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's pretty wild to me. Yeah, just a this is a really interesting movie. I think the the rewatch on it is is pretty easy. Yes. Um like I had no problem rewatching this movie like just the other day. No, um yeah. yeah. And I think the first like I I bought it and I think I watched it a few times in the first week that I owned it. Um Right. I don't know. I, 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 I think you're right. Like the, not, not only the rewatch, but like the entertainment value of this movie is high enough where not so much the rewatch value because you know what's going to happen, but you're mm-hmm. entertained by the movie all the way throughout. The characters are really intricate. The writing is really good. The story arc is surprisingly straightforward, even though it's like really convoluted. But it's also like, I think this is one of the first movies of, of its time where you know the outcome and then they make they explain the situation afterwards. So you already know that the Russian dudes end up dead, but how do they get dead? And then they spend like twenty five minutes building that scene for you. And I think it's really, <laughs> yeah. it's really unique. It's really unique. yeah. 
No, no, definitely a unique movie. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. I mean, we're, I, know, we're not, I know we're probably not going to touch upon it, but that the sequel didn't do so good. Sequel's a mess, huh? Yeah, and, and the fact that they're doing a third one, they're starting production for a third one later this year. And I think I think the only reason why is because they saw the numbers on the second one and they were like, yeah, this could go three. But the only reason why the second one is so good because it has a cult following in the first one. But now, who knows? I mean, they didn't yeah, take it. They didn't even take it. You're going to watch the third one. <laughs> I'm going to watch the third one. Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'd much rather watch a series. Yeah. But part of what made the first one was Willem Dafoe. Yeah. So, like, losing that character. That was a tough thing for the second one, yeah. Yeah, and then you get Rocco as, like, a ghost, but he's not a ghost, and I'm a ghost. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It, it, the second one was tough to follow, and it was way too fucking long. Like, yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So, so let's ask the question then. 1999, Boondock Saints, $6 million budget, $20,000 first weekend, not even $20,000. Does it hold up? Yeah, I was actually going to um, tie it. We can tie into that too. Um, you know, one out of 10, you know, 10 being awesome and then one being absolutely awful. Like, what do you give the Boondock Saints? Nine. Oh wow, high score. Nine. Yeah, the movie is fantastic. Yeah. It's borderline untouchable if you yeah. take it with a, an open mind. The movie's amazing. It has the best characters, best character arcs. It's got really good villains. Like they're cheesy, yeah. but it's supposed to be cheesy um, and relatable. Everyone here old... is pissed off. Like, and they even touched on it. When someone who's obviously done a crime or is at least in a space where he's just not a good person gets off of a crime, everyone's pissed about that. So it's relatable in that sense. Yeah, and I mean, some yeah. of the problems in this movie are still around today where politicians are just like politicians Corrupt. and they're not doing anything. Right. Um, but like, I also think it, it doesn't hold up though. Like it's a nine out of 10. It doesn't hold up. I think that the mentality of society in 2022 is not the mentality of society in 1999. Mm. So some of the jokes are taken more offensively than they are as just jokes. It's a movie. These are fictional characters. Um, and I think the lack of technology makes it less relatable to younger generations. Um, I think the, the area they chose, Boston, is a very stereotypically, like... Racist area. Well, and just a bunch of fucking idiots. Like, this isn't something that would happen in t- modern Boston, but mm. then, like, I don't know. You see, because, there, like I said, there weren't any movies about this type of shit leading up to this. This was, like, the first mold. The only Boston yeah. movie I can recall is Goodwill Hunting. And the most dangerous thing they did was they had a, a scrap at a bar. That's mm-hmm. it. So, like, I mean, now with the departed and everything out, maybe, maybe yeah. you know. Oh, that's true. Something. That's true. But, like, before, you didn't really have anything to base it off of. So, if I think they did the perfect job in the sense of making the movie kind of comedy, kind of thriller, kind of drama, kind of action, but not one. And yeah. they did such a good job that the third-party trailer company couldn't even fucking cut a good trailer for it. Yeah. Without without entirely giving away the movie, right? They had to. Yeah, yeah they gave away. The, yeah. I think the best, the, the most quotable, it might be the most quotable movie 
in the last, you know, 25 years. And I say that knowing that Super Troopers is out there, but like how many times do you hear it, it was a firefight? Oh, yeah. Or, you, you, you know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many quotes in there. It, it's tough to say that there aren't more better or widely quoted movies than that. I would say if it's not number one, which it, it might not be, but it's definitely yeah. top five. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I personally gave it an eight and a half. Um, but I, I do think it holds up. But kind of what Georgie was going along with. If you're like our age, maybe a little bit older even, and you've never seen this movie, you could watch this movie and be thoroughly entertained by it. Mm-hmm. But if you're younger than us, and we're like, we're like right on the line. I think like if you're in your early 20s or something like that, mid-20s maybe even, when you watch this movie, there's going to be a lot about this movie that are just flags to you. Um and and when Georgia was explaining that, the tech the lack of technology. <laughs> How many people that watch this movie now will see them get a page and then have them call on a pay phone and then get the message from the page? How many people wouldn't understand what that process is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how many people wouldn't understand how the people how no one in the courtroom un, like knew who they were after the fact? because there's not a cell phone in everyone's hand recording that situation. The only recording devices in there were the TV cameras that they turned off. And mm-hmm. now everything that happened in that room is unknown to anyone except unless you were there. Yo, a good movie yeah. to compare that to is Shang-Chi, right? Remember in Shang-Chi when they were on the bus and kid just whips out his fucking phone and, and he's then like, all of a sudden I'm going to million hits overnight. That's what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. part of it is like, I think it's easy for people to be like, this movie isn't real because like that would never happen nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When in reality, like in the nineties, bro, we, you relied on word of mouth for accuracy and, and, mm. and news. Yeah. Now you can't rely on fucking anything. No. Yeah. Um, now I'll say I'm going to be like probably the least nicest of the three. I'm going to say seven out of 10. Uh it's definitely a movie I enjoyed. I think the issues I have with it is like, I think Mike, you mentioned earlier, like it's definitely convoluted in, in a lot of, in a lot of it, like plot wise. But one thing I like about the movie is that I think it shows that it really shows a big difference. Like um, how different things were, you know, that was just the end of a decade. And then, you know, start of, it was the start of the two thousands. But like, like you said now, like, our age, you know, we find enjoyment in it because we know, like, this is just a movie. Like, this is just fictional characters and stuff. Whereas maybe somebody watching it now in their early 20s or late teens or something like that, they'll find a lot of issues with this, you know, whether it be bad taste or, you know, not knowing what they're doing, like with like pagers and stuff like that. So this is a this movie really showcases like the big leap we've had, you know, in 20 years. Yeah. Um, right. Seven, I think is fair. Seven and a half. Fair. I mean, I mean yeah. the, the movie isn't untouchable. Uh, I gave it a nine because I thought that, you know, me and Mike kind of touched on this. The cast was good. Not great. Right. Yeah, like, I thought the cast was great for, for the low budget that this movie was. Hmm. 
if you want to look at it that way, that's fine. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, you have six million dollars to work with, and you land Willem to fall. You have to imagine, like, he's the probably the most well known. They have to get people like, you know, like Bob Marley, who's a very local comedian, but he probably did the movie for super cheap. You got Ron Jeremy in there. Yeah. You know, who he probably was super cheap too. Everyone else was just kind of like little fill-ins and extras, right? Except for yeah. like Norman Reedus and a couple other guys, you know. Norman Reedus is still an unknown then. Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. Like the yeah. casting on this, could you find better casting in 1999 to keep this a six million dollar movie? I mean, without knowing, I, I no definitely it's challenging. Really hard challenging. To ask 23, 23 years later, it's a really. Hard I mean, question to ask. realistically, like I when I watched that movie, I think that if they did cast bigger name not big not like big names but like bigger names for some of the villains or something i think it would have been a little better but casting was good it wasn't mm. perfect titanic was perfect casting and, yeah. it, and that's what i compare mm. perfection to billy zane. billy zane perfect villain but um outside of that <laughs> like it was pretty ground level so the effects didn't need to be good nor were they so it was fine and it was literally just everything was in like an apartment kitchen or in like a big room that they turned into like a you know a police depot. There was there was like no big scenes that needed to be like really in a specific area. Mm. And like, I thought the, the writing the yeah. writing was great too. Like the writing is good. They don't get carried away with like when they're healing themselves, the cauterizing the wounds and stuff. They don't get carried away with it. It's just a fucking iron. They're just you know they muted the sound because it wasn't going to be dramatic. It was just to show you like they're healing. And, and I thought, hmm. like, all of that put together, and then then you factor in the budget. It's like, th- this is almost a perfect film. Like, you, you almost did exactly what you were meant to. And you're seeing it pay off over time, where you're making, they're, they're already up to 20 million in DVD sales. They just signed an agreement with Amazon, so they're probably getting residuals there. Like, mm-hmm. there, if anyone involved with Boondock Saints won, perfect film. But to me, I think it doesn't hold up, and that's why it gets a nine. I, I don't think it would hold up. Mm-hmm. I would love, I would love to see it get remade at some point in my life because I don't think it's untouchable. There are movies that are yeah. untouchable. This is not one of them. I would love to see this movie get remade at some point in my life. Mm. Yeah, not now. I, no, I but... feel like the premise with some slight changes. Because the reason why I gave it an eight and a half is because I think it's a really good movie, but I do think that the story has some flaws in some areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I feel like yeah. it could be the like the writing is really good and the lines are really great, but like there are some parts of the of the story where you're like, okay, how did they get there? Right. And that, that yeah. explanation could be better. And Doc, we so. need more Doc. <laughs> <laughs> always, always more Doc. Always more Doc. Uh, we'll see what they do. I mean, two was two was a hit and miss, but I'm curious to see what they'll do with with number three. Um, which 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 I would expect to be out probably next year, maybe maybe late next year probably. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, but that's that's episode ten. That's our thoughts on the Boondock Saints, directed by Troy Duffy. Um, so now we're gonna pick our next movie. This is always the funnest part. Yeah, or at least we're gonna work with the year. And you're going to find out the movie in the next episode. Well, we had to call it Audible on this one, so let's hope. So I'm going to bring up the wheel of the wheel, either the wheel of fortune or the wheel of doom. What we're going to end up working with. All right, guys, take your picks. 
Here we Ooh. go. Give me, give me 1976. Oh, 1984. Did we do that? Um, is that, is that Terminator? I think we might have done that for the Terminator. Yep, yep. We did. Spin it again. Spin it again. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll cheat. We'll speed it. We'll spin it again. Oh, we're getting 2000. 2001. All right, we're going to stick with that. All right. The next movie we're going to be doing is from the year 2001. So I'll end it here. And you'll see what the next video is in the next episode. All right, okay. guys. See you at the next one. Take it easy, guys. Yeah. Peace. And that.